Welcome to the Golf Barons Podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Welcome back to another Golf Barons podcast, Phil. Good to have you again. Thank you, Damien. It's great to spend some more time with you. Let's get straight into it today. I want to know something you hate. It's been a big week. It has been a big week. Damien, I'm going to kick this one off with what I can only term golf snobbery. And and this was an interesting one. Uh, A friend of mine, it didn't happen to me. Friend, sorry, I saw the look on your face. An associate of mine... um, uh, was due to play a game of golf and was standing on the first tee and a couple of players that he hadn't met before um, wanted up and a friend of his had cancelled that morning. Now, now my mate plays off 15, sorry, associate, plays off 15. His friend is off scratch. Okay, so there's a bit of a discrepancy. So discrepancy in handicap. Uh, one of the very first questions that was asked of my associate was, um, it's surprising that a scratch marker would want to play with a 15 marker. That's definitely golf snobbery. Why um, wouldn't he? Which is extraordinary, I mean, given the fact that these two are thick as thieves, been mates forever, defined by ability. And it got me thinking, I wonder if there is a general sense from higher markers that low, lower handicappers don't want to play with them or vice versa, because I've never... You'd never have a playing partner if that was the problem. But that, that's really hurtful and very accurate. The truth can be exactly right. So um, golf snobbery, you're, which is funny because you're a snob when it comes to golf balls that you find. No, we touched on that, Damien. That's a very different form of golf snobbery. I think you, you, you've got to get the definitions right. But um, it was just, it, it struck him as it struck me when he was recounting the story that someone would actually assume that, you know, you only get four hours to spend with someone. You need to choose who that is going to be. You want people who you enjoy the conversation with and the journey with, not just the performance. This is not a tournament. Uh, and it just sort of struck me as like, that's one of the ugly things. Yeah, we don't care what other people's handicaps are. No, I, I want to spend time with people that I enjoy spending time with. And if I'm unable to play as well as them, which is often the case, then I just make up for it with my awesomeness. Golf snobbery, no time for it. What about you, Damien? What are you hating? This week, I've got a, I've got something I can only call a bit of a fashion faux pas, the top button done up on Apollo. Mm, go on. I hate it, hate it, hate it. It needs to be banned from the game. I think they need to bring in a rule to get rid of it, just add to, you know, just one more rule that we can add to the game. As far as I'm concerned, it is a try-hard look by these 40-somethings who are just, they're refusing to grow up and they're thinking that they're really cool. It's a joke. You look like a knob. Do you know when a top button should be done up, Damien? Uh, when? When you're putting on a tie. Correct. And if no tie, no top button. Almost to the point that some of these clothing manufacturers could actually do the world a favour and just have a, maybe a top button, but not a top button hole. So that there's nothing that can be done. You get the look, but you don't get the look. I think you're with me on this. I know that you're not the biggest fashion guru of all time, which I'm sure you'll admit. Um, but no, seriously... This became a trend a couple a few years ago on tour. There were a few players. I mean, guys like Bubba. It's kind of his thing. He's done it forever and a day. Um, uh, Justin Thomas started doing it. Then other people. Now it's starting. Now it's drifted into club golf. I can't stand it. If you're forty, act forty. Yeah, move on. Move, move on. on. Top button. Yeah, no good. Hate it needs to go now. That's what we hate. We've got that out the way. I'm glad we have. What do you love, Damien? What do I love, Phil? 
I love indoor golf. Indoor, go indoor please, golf. Please go on. Believe it or not, I've I've turned a little bit of a corner here. Oh. I had a couple of couple of rounds um, that were washed out, and I was really annoyed by it because I was so so excited about playing. You know, in those days when you're really up and about and you really want to um, get out there and play some golf, couldn't play. We got washed out, so we did the next best next best thing. Uh, went and played some indoor golf at a um, at a local one of the local centres. I love it. It was fantastic. Sat down, had a couple of beers. I couldn't lose any balls, which has been a bit of a problem for me off the tee. Although there was that one that stuck in the roof. No, very funny. But, uh, yeah, people are going to be just wetting themselves at your humour today. The poor weather outside doesn't mean you don't have to play golf. Um, and, and not only that, but this time-poor excuse that, that golf often gets. I mean, it, the great thing is you can play late at night. I mean, depending on when they're open, but it, it still gives you a thrill. It still gives you the conversation, which is the, the really critical thing is to continue to, to be a part of something, feel involved. And you can play as competitively as you want to, even though it's indoor golf, because even though it might not be 100% accurate, which is often the knock on it, but it is consistent across everyone who is playing at that course, which is all you want. And for me, it's a, it's a brilliant way to introduce uh, kids to the game and get them get them playing without the pressures of um, of people coming up behind them and losing balls uh, I think it's a fantastic it gives you credit with the misses you get to spend some time with the kids oh, I'm just spending time with the kids a couple of beers maybe a maybe wood-fired pizza and a round at St Andrews well, it's fantastic very well thought out I like that I like that what do you love I mean you're not a guy who loves a lot of things bit of a hater so bad fashion sense and I don't like things. Come on, give us your love. Um, so here's my love, celebrity golf. I love the fact that golf is more and more becoming the choice, the game of choice for sportsmen, for celebrities or otherwise. And it, it, they're starting to see exactly what it is we love about it. But they don't dabble with it. They get in up to their necks. And you, you look at it, a Samuel L. Jackson or a Mark Warburg, um, the Australian cricket team, both men's and and ladies, um, Steph Curry is one that, that we love. I mean, because of my love for basketball, you know, Steph Curry, um, who when he won the championship a few years ago, he was promised, and the word goes, is that he was promised, he and one of his teammates were promised a round of golf at Augusta if they won the championship. And all they were talking about in the locker room straight after the game, having won the, the NBA championship, is we're going to Augusta, we're going to Augusta. And I love and I love the passion and I love how that's reflected. It just proves that it's in every it's in every man, every woman's game, um, golf. 100%. And, and the deeper you get into it, the deeper you are in it. And it, it once you're stuck and once you've caught the, the bug, it's with you forever. I love it. I love your love this week. Um, now, Damien, what about game changes? What about something that can change the world. Philip, this is not going to blow the, your socks off, but it's something that I think has to start happening. We touched on it last week after you recommended it to me again. I went, yeah, why don't I do it? I went out and played with some colored balls, um, yellow balls. Yeah, it's got to happen. This thing needs to be made a priority with um, with players at, at grassroots level. I know there are a few players now on tour who, we, who are using it, but the colored balls is, in my opinion, the quickest way that we're going to speed up this game, for one. You don't lose the balls. You don't? Colloquially speaking, right. you don't lose balls. Um, certainly not nearly as often. They're far quicker to find. I don't know what it is about the yellow compared to the white. I mean, white in theory should stand out, but it doesn't. Even on the greens, it is unbelievable how much easier it is to put and see lines. I mean, maybe it's a personal thing, but when, I, when I'm looking at a, a yellow ball on the green, I can see my line far easier and I've putted that much better. I think we need to make it a priority. Can I just say, now that you've tasted that and really got a good sense of yellow, if you want to actually change your game up a little bit for playing in a foursome, all four of you play a different coloured ball, 
there's there's just something nice and interesting about the the whole dynamic and the aesthetic of it and everything else. It just gives you something else about the game to appreciate when one of you is pink and one of you is yellow, white and blue. It, it's almost a little bit, you know, mini golf, isn't it? When you've all got a different coloured ball and I think it'll change the persona of a round. So, yeah, that's what that's one of, one of the things I think we can do to really change this game in a positive way. Have you got anything for me this week? Uh, I do and uh, really this has been driven from a fact that I'm sick of being crap and being taunted by you about not being able to hit fairways. And this week it's been about practising with some purpose. Normally I would go to a driving range or to the range, get a bucket of balls and just hit them. And just bash them, yeah, as far as you can. And just hit them and get frustrated by things that weren't working or otherwise. And this week I took a slightly different approach which was to actually work my way through the bag but with real purpose and and that was just from memory of a couple of training drills from many many years ago that obviously i would forgotten but about giving yourself targets and working my way through and it got me to thinking that more and more driving ranges so we've got top golf this top golf trend which has got all the target golf and everything else but why driving ranges don't provide people with little practice plans just on little laminated sheets or something because people just traditionally go and bash you should trademark that i've attempted to i got knocked back but there is always a place just to go nuts and to smash a bucket of balls, and not everyone needs to, but to have that ability to to knuckle down and practice with purpose changes the game um, as quickly as you can, and hopefully it'll change mine because I've decided to commit to that for at least, as you know, with me in theory, I'll commit to that for at least another bucket until the next theory, and see how we go. No, very good, very good. No, I think that's a that's a good little game changer. I like that one. Speaking of changing your game, let's get into the gear effect segment for this week. One of the things with you is obviously that you know a lot about products and you are often changing your drivers, you're tinkering with all your different clubs. There's one club that never, ever changes with you. Uh, It's your Cleveland Classic designed by Ben Crenshaw, part of that you've had for nearly 20 years. More sentiment over sense with that. Why? I mean, how often do you change your clubs as a rule? But why is that? Why doesn't that one ever go? Love is a difficult thing to explain, and many have tried and many poets have tried. Uh, that putter and I have been through a lot. He, he's seen my ups and downs. Um, he's seen more lip-outs than... In fact, he's seen me putt off greens, let's be honest. But it just feels at home. When I, when I hold the putter more than any other club I've ever had, it just feels like there's no better way to describe it than we have a connection. It might just be the leather grip on it. So you have no plans to update this any time soon? There are a lot of very good putters out there. I have no plans on getting rid of that putter. Someone would quite comfortably be able to demonstrate to me that my putting would improve by 30% if I went to, you know, this high MOI, went down that trend or, or even changing length of putters like with the, the Ping Sigma 2, you know, being able to fit yourself into a putter length. Adjust it, yeah. Uh, no, I'll be okay. I'll be right because I'm so stubborn that I'd rather persevere, putt badly knowing that when I start putting well, it's going to be by my side. Uh, and that's just the way I go. But you've, I'm sure you've had clubs that you've, you haven't liked changing. Well, because I'm reviewing clubs every every year when the new ones come out, I'm always changing my clubs or changing them probably far far more often than I should. Um, but I love, I love the seeing the newest and best. If I see a club and I think it's better than the last one, I feel like I need to put it in my bag. I'm sort of that simple with it. I get the putter thing. Putters are something that are, after a while you you find your stroke and you're happy with it and you don't want to change it up too much. I get that because it's very much about feel, but um, that's probably the thing I keep the most, but not 30 years, not 20 years. Um, and maybe that's the point about the putter. From a dynamic point of view, it's the one that I probably give um, new technology the least credit for, even though I know that it works. Um, whereas the other things you see are far more dramatic, just because the club head is impacting the ball at a greater speed. Um, and we talk about feel and... 
Um, and for me, it, it is a feel thing. But am I doing it to my detriment? 100%. I should get with the program and move on. Speaking of moving on, let's get into golf dreaming this week. I noticed you were looking at a, at a map of uh, New Zealand earlier. Uh, there's no question that um, there's a couple of golf courses in New Zealand that I would dream just of. Just a couple. Dream of playing. Well, you, you know, you could spend a lot of time in New Zealand just playing golf. But Tara Eti has bitten me, and I'm not sure how I'm going to wrangle a game, but I'm going to continue to pursue it. Um, and in, this incredible-looking coastal golf course, windswept, everything that you love about the game um, that looks rustic. It looks like I'll just chuck a green there and a fairway there, which is my favourite kind of golf course. We're very similar at that, aren't we? The way that kind of course that we absolutely love. It's more, almost more the aesthetic than anything else. Uh, it is, and the width of the fairways. Um, oh, that's a given. Yeah, the given, because the less trees must be the better. But there was a quote from Tom Doak about Tara Eddy um, that said a golf course is a living thing um, and that organically changes over time. And I think the fact that even in his design mind, and Tom Doak is a genius, but in his design mind, the fact that this course, just by shifting sands and things, will, will change, same as Kiwa Island in the US, that will change over time just makes it all the more dramatic, let alone the scenery. So Tara Eady is for mine, but but you must have one. I'm cl- no, I'm actually just going to go a little bit south of where you are um, to a course that I'm lucky enough to play at, Cape Kidnappers, down in Hawke's Bay. Have you played? Oh, wow. That hurts. I, I was lucky enough to play there. It was um, – I thought I'd ruined a really good opportunity for to play one of the world's greatest courses most – bucket list courses had my cousin's bucks night the night before so i'm only on a couple of hours sleep and i thought oh no i've ruined this nothing sobered me up quicker than stepping out on the cape kidnappers course breathtaking day not no wind so we were very lucky and the condition is unbelievable the design when you, you ride out on almost like these fingertips that sheer cliff overlooking the water just stunning such a good course given how wide you hit it how Perilous. So I've only seen images of it. I've never had the joy. But how perilously close to the cliffs do the fairways run? I mean, would you have to be pretty rough? I mean, most people, most yeah, most people would be fine. I mean, you'd battle, um, but no, it's it certainly looks far more dramatic when you're seeing it from a you know bird's eye view. That's not how you're going to experience, obviously, while you're on the on the course. But it it really is such a such an amazing course on so many levels. So yeah, we'll have to definitely arrange a journey out there. I'm happy to take you take you up there. Well, I might have trumped you with St Andrews, but I think you've just given me an equally big serve back because it is the most dramatic. It looks like the most dramatic place on earth, um, and I think we could probably do a double up of those two. We'll definitely do that. Trending. What's been trending for you this week or in the last little while? Well, this one is less a topical one and one that is dear to our hearts, which is the Jared's Gift golf days and and really the, the journey of Jared Lyle and, and the anniversary of his death, his book as well, My Story, which is a, a terrific read. But it's, it's the fact that this is one of the first times that I can remember where almost the golf industry and particularly the PGA and Golf Australia have all just said, let's all get together and get a job done. Here, um, so it all supports challenge supporting kids with cancer, which you know is at, at, um, who we like to support as well. Um, who do some incredible work, but but just the strength it continues to echo the strength of the man. The book, you know, really clearly calls out some of the challenges and how he's dealt with them and how he dealt with them across his journey. But it, so as I say, so it's less 
less necessarily trending and topical, but more very dear to our heart. And, and the Jared's Gift Golf Days, if you find one and you have the opportunity, please play one and please support it because it's quite an incredible cause, yeah. Yeah, beautifully said. Throw us down some knowledge, Phil. It's time for a history lesson. Time already for another history it lesson, Damien? time for a history lesson. Well, you're going to love this one. The shot heard around the world. Franz um, Ferdinand. The shot heard, well, it's interesting, is because there are three that are most commonly referred to as the shot heard around the world. And I'll dismiss a baseball one from there because I'm not even it's sure baseball. that's a sport. Yeah. The first shot heard around the world triggered the American Revolution in 1775. It was, it was one of the first shots and no one knew, knew who shot it and when and how, just out of Lexington, but that triggered it. The second one, you might, Franz. Ferdinand World War One triggered World War One, so it was kind of an important one. But the one that I wanted to talk about today, Damien, was the shot heard around the world. Gene Gene Sarazen, fifteenth hole, Masters, nineteen thirty-five, two hundred and thirty-five yards out. And we think about how far technology goes today. This is nineteen thirty-five, so eighty-four years ago, two hundred and thirty-five yards out, and he hits a forward or hits a, a wood onto the green on the fifteenth, goes in. Albatross. Now, most recently, there's been a Louis Estizen albatross at the Masters. There's only been, I think, five or six in history, and it's the only albatross in the Masters ever on the 15th hole, and it was in 1935 from 235 yards. And it was described as the shot heard around the world because what it did was got get Gene Sarazen back in the tournament. He ended up tying Craig Wood after the four rounds. Woody. Woody, as we like to call him. Gene Sarazen then went on to win in a 36-hole playoff the next day. None of this three-hole playoff, it win a sudden death, I didn't hold. What do to play, play at Augusta National? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to get a few extra holes in. I don't even know if they had to pay the green fees, but it was 36-hole playoff the next day, which he went on to win. But, yeah, commonly regarded as the shot heard around the world, 15th hole, 1935 Masters, um, Gene Sarazen from 235 yards, and that is the, the highlighted history lesson for the day, Gene Sarazen. Outstanding by you. Well, before we finish up, let's just remind people that need to go and subscribe to get all of our content, which includes our Barons Life, Digital Golf and Lifestyle magazine. Um, we also have lots of myths and challenges, uh, plenty of reviews of product reviews and comps and prizes. To join us, to be a part of the Golf Barons network, jump on at golfbarons.com, uh, sign up, it's free. We want to add some more fun to this uh, into the game, don't we, Phil? Get some swagger. Add some swagger to your swing. It's been fun. Until next time. 